Hey guys, welcome to episode 39 of the JV Club with the marvelous Janie Haddad Tompkins. Again, guys, it's somebody that I've been talking to about doing the podcast forever. We are buddies, we adore each other, and uh, we were finally able to make our schedules align. I am overjoyed. Uh, Janie was somebody that many of you uh, wrote to me and said would love to have Janie uh, as a guest on your podcast. So, Listen, we made it happen. We aim to please. Speaking of aim to please, I'm very excited because the first episode of Neil's Puppet Dreams, which is the project I co-created, uh, co-wrote, co-produced uh, with Neil Patrick Harris, David Burka, The Henson Company, Nerdist, um, and uh, Michael Serrato and Brian Clark uh, came out today. Today is uh, Tuesday, the 27th. And um, the first the first episode uh, called The Lullaby is out. You can go to the Nerdist YouTube channel, the Nerdist YouTube channel. I encourage you strongly to subscribe and uh, and check it out. Um, and then there's also a great behind the scenes sort of trailer floating around that um, I really love and am proud of. And you can kind of get a sense of all the different people who worked on the project. So please check that out. It, it's been such a, an amazing, fun labor of love. And it really is very much a dream come true. You know, um, when we were shooting it at the Henson Studios uh, at, at one point when actually with this particular episode, uh, I wrote the song, I wrote that lullaby. And when the puppeteers were all, you know, lip syncing it, and we were we were shooting the footage, I got really emotional. And I had to leave for a second because I was, I was so excited and moved that uh, that I had anything to do with the Henson Company puppeteers, uh, you know, making words come out of their mouths. So that was awesome. Um, hopefully, uh, you guys will check it out. Now, let's get back to you. Shout outs, shout outs to from Facebook, Corinne Mogiver, uh, emails, Allison B, Andrew R, Sasha, Veronica C, Salam, Sam, Paige, Lucy, on Facebook, Robert C, Jeffrey F, on iTunes, Death Cab 77. Listen, nobody's going to argue with a Death Cab for Cutie reference. Uh, great band. Um, uh, Channa B.C. Smith, Micah Rafferty, Spasmo, uh, World's Tallest Mike, Jeffrey Kunkel. Oh, I just said your whole name. Sorry, Jeffrey. Uh, Ian O, Sicky7, uh, Gudo, Super XM, 1KE, Chef Man 10, uh, Lou K04, and NYC Father of Three. Nothing like iTunes handles, guys, to really create tongue twisters for you during your, your morning. Um, I think that's it, except for one last thing. Uh, and by the way, thanks to Stephanie for uh, helping me out with the iTunes feedback. And um, and then, you know, I've gotten some lovely uh, stories, some lovely dinner party stories. I'm going to uh, let's set a deadline for maybe December 8th, because that is the day of uh, Tess's book signing. Let's set a date of December 8th. If you can get me a story before December 8th, uh, we'll choose one and uh, and send a book out. You know what? Maybe we'll choose more than one. We're very generous of spirit. Uh, okay. Hey guys, that is a really long intro for me, but uh, I wish you all well. I uh, can't wait to hear from you and uh, uh, talk to you soon. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Now entering Nerdist.com.
guys, this is the first time this has happened. Uh, this morning, I was... Look, I'm just going to level with you. I enjoy coloring my hair, guys. I'm a natural blonde. I enjoy a strawberry. Uh, I was coloring my hair this morning. I was 100% sure that, and I put it in my phone, that Janie had, was coming at uh, 11 o'clock, so 10 o'clock in the morning on a beautiful Sunday day. I was in the shower rinsing the hair dye out of my hair at 10 o'clock sharp when my guest rang my doorbell. The dogs went crazy. Um, my gentleman friend had to uh, let her in, and I had to come out and apologize. Uh, I got the time wrong, guys. It's the, my first time it's happened. I got to say, I'm so relieved that it was Janie that it happened with <laughs> because she is a generous, kind, warm human being who I felt comfortable having my head wrapped in a towel uh, greeting when I came out. Well, that's nice to hear. I can I can verify the truth of all of everything that was just said. So yeah. I don't even, we don't, I don't even think we need to bring a notary into this. We don't even need a notary in this situation. Um, and, and nice. Janie immediately said, yes, my worst fear is that I'm going to be in the middle of dyeing my hair and there will be like an earthquake or totally. something. Or like the fire alarm will go off and then, and then you're stuck with hair dye on your hair for like three hours and then all of your hair falls out. Yes. Yeah. All of those things I've thought about. And I've also <laughs> thought about like, I mean, I don't know. This is getting super personal right away, but like sometimes <laughs> what I'm sleeping in isn't necessarily the thing that I would want to be like running around an earthquake for no, either. No. And so I've thought about that too. Like, oh, if something were to happen and I, and this is what I have on when I have to like grab everything I yes, own and run and away. And the shoeless thing. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, there's a fire and I'm outside in shoes and boxers. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, have you even really been in enough emergencies that like, like, no, where knock these, on wood. Where are these worries coming from? We're both knocking on wood. <laughs> Um, where are these, where are these, these weird, like emergency disaster fantasies coming from when know. we haven't really that experienced is a, that? I don't, know. I don't know. It's just a permanent neuroses that exists in the part, part of my brain be. or something. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you are kind of, I guess there's a little bit of that in LA for earthquakes and stuff. Yes. And obviously like people who've on the East coast who have to deal with more storms. Yeah. There's e, Sandy, like, Sandy and yep. stuff. But, um, but I, it seems like. There's a difference between like the in like an incoming storm and everyone sort of knowing knowing storm preparedness involved. and like tornado watch and all that kind of stuff. Then an earthquake versus yeah, we pick the place to live where the the threat is immediate. Totally, there's no way to predict it. Yes, like a meteor hitting the earth. Like a meteor, <laughs> like a meteor from the inside of the earth exploding coming and coming out. And I have, I mean, I, like most Californians, I have a little earthquake preparedness kit which i've never even looked at I was like, like, at least you have that because i'm not sure i can say that that's just, true for me i think i just have a bunch of jumbled junk in the garage yeah well counts. i mean i ordered one online i don't even know if it would be helpful but then there's the fear of like oh what if i'm in my car like on the 101 you know i don't have bottles of water in my car i don't either you know i mean what am i gonna do <laughs> at least i won't be dyeing my hair but <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of my hair dyeing in the car too, so that's. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I am from the south, and I, I mean, I could go somewhere with curlers in my hair. That would not be crazy. <gasps> a little, yeah, like a steel magnolias <laughs> yeah. moment of curlers, and maybe yeah. like a beautiful, like tissuey scarf. Yeah, going from right one place to the next, and then pulling them out in the like on your way. Oh, I love this. It. I love this woman who checking has the up moxie. in the rear view mirror. Yes, you know, just like are you driving a convertible, and uh, are you, and do I you wish. have like cat eyes? Yes, I need that. Are I need we all in the nineteen fifties? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love everything that's happening. Like the movie Shag, which 
I would love to remake. Wait, what? I don't know if I've seen Chag. <laughs> I know. Bridget Fonda and Phoebe Cates. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. Oh my God. But I do have a soft spot for both of those fun don't movies. You, but I'm like obsessed with remaking the movie and being in it. You can be in it too. What is You the, can play the Bridget Fonda. Oh, oh, listen, I would do it in a heartbeat. What, uh, what well, they're is... They're in South Carolina, okay. and there's like a shagging contest. Shagging is like the the state dance. Shagging is not what it is in Austin Powers, is what you're telling me. That's true. It's not the same. <laughs> it might lead to that. It's not having casual sex. I mean... Casual, they, playful sex. <laughs> I think from what, I've, what I understand about, about shagging, and I can only fake my way through it, is um, it's basically like the jitterbug, okay. but it's done to like beach music okay yeah you know that song i love beach music it's like that kind of music yes i don't know right or carolina girl uh, i'm beach music now i'm going back like, in no, time. no 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 that's beach west music? coast beast music oh i don't this is a I different thing on the east coast i don't know if i know what east coast beach music sounds like well i'll have to send you i'll send you a mix <laughs> I can't believe I'm getting a shag mix we're out getting, of all well, this. You need to brush up because we're doing the remake. I know. Listen, I have a lot of research to do. I can't believe how far behind we're doing I am the in this remake. movie I committed to. Oh, yeah. And by the way, we're too old for the roles. Because I, <laughs> I think they're. it's like the summer after their high school. It's like, I think it's the summer before their freshman. And you and I both just graduated from college. So you're right. <laughs> we're too old. just a little beyond. Yeah. Just a little beyond. But. In so it's remake. basically our version will be Thelma and Louise meets the movie Shag because we fall in between those two age groups. You know what? I love this idea. I think we can pitch this. Yeah. As it, like we don't even have to remake it. We'll do a whole new reboot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So do we shoot anyone or is that we don't have to go like drive off a canyon cliff <laughs> at the end? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, is that good filmmaking? Because I'm not, I'm not good at screenplay writing, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Thelma and Louise was bigger than Shag, so I think we do shoot true. someone. <laughs> okay, so we definitely shoot someone. We definitely drive off a canyon. You don't think anybody's going to make the comparison to Thelma and Louise? Um, they might, but there's going to be dancing in it, and that is going to keep it. The dancing's going to distract everybody. <laughs> no one is going to realize that we basically ripped off Thelma and Louise. Yes, I think so. This is going to be great. Well, uh, in North Carolina? South Carolina. Damn. <laughs> I had. Close I could have. You know why? Because They're this similar. is because some. And sometimes you go to North Carolina. Have you never even gone? I to have North a lot Carolina of friends from go back North there? Carolina. No, I go back to South Carolina. You always go back to South Carolina. Yeah. God damn it. My, However, this is the thing. My mom was born in North Carolina. Okay. And my, and my grandfather is also born in North Carolina. No, my mom was born in San Francisco. My grandfather was born in North Carolina. My mom grew up in North Carolina. Oh, okay. So I always get confused. So have you gone to North Carolina? No. Because no one's there anymore. They all I moved to see. Arizona. Okay. Um, when my mom was a teenager. Oh, wow. Okay. But my mom has gone back. Um, she's made a couple of like really great trips through the South because my mom, well, my grandfather was a Marine. Okay. So they moved around a lot. Oh, that makes so sense. She, so she grew up uh, until she was a freshman in high school. She was on a base in North Carolina. Okay. And then they moved. I think they were like in Atlanta for a little bit and then Phoenix. Okay. Um, so with one of her sisters, actually maybe with both of her sisters, uh, she did like a little like revisit the, the pocket where they lived, um, and saw some old family members that like are so distantly removed from me and my experience with my family that it wouldn't really, I don't know them, but you wouldn't have met them before. My mom reconnected with some of them and that's cool and had a really great experience. And I really do want to go. I would love to go to either of the Carolinas. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) when we shoot our movie. When we shoot, we will shoot on location. So, where in South Carolina uh, uh, is everybody? 
Uh, Charleston. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves Charleston. Yeah. That's where I grew up. Charleston, by the way, is also a dance. It has nothing to do with either beach that music, shagging, <laughs> or the jitterbug. It's a 1920s. Uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there is a connection. I don't know. No reason we shouldn't set this whole thing in the 20s. I know. <laughs> Boardwalk, we both, we boardwalk both enjoy empire. 20s attire. Boardwalk Empire meets Shag. Louise meets, <laughs> meets Yes. Louise. I, it's getting This is going to be juicy. huge. TV execs, I know you're listening. It's gin. I know you're And have listening. to go on the run. <laughs> Two-way dance contest. And there aren't any like female bootleggers from that whole prohibition thing. So it would be kind of cool to have a show or a series yeah. where we play female. Oh, I love this. Right? I mean... Oh man! Where's the dancing? A lot happen? of work the to dancing's got to happen. <laughs> the dancing definitely has to happen. Um, maybe we open up some sort of a club. I'm thinking Showtime because yeah. HBO already has. They've got right, theirs. So, so we're gonna write our feature. We're gonna have our Janie. Series. We are monumental successes. Listen, Hollywood, are you listening? Are you? I hope so. I can only assume that Hollywood listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can only assume. Pull up a chair, take some notes, call yeah, us after. This is gonna be huge. <laughs> this is gonna be huge. I love it. Um, I've got to go to Charleston. I'm very upset that I've never been. I couldn't go to your wedding. Oh um, no, that. That was I think I was shooting in, you know what the irony is, I'm pretty sure, whatever I was shooting, I probably was shooting in Atlanta. Yeah, and you probably could have hopped up on it. I was so it. close. <gasps> uh, oh, it was, uh, what a bunch you. of BS. <laughs> um, did you spend your whole uh, childhood into like college years and then, then go to college somewhere else and then move? Or I spent um, my coming of age years in South Carolina. Um, my early childhood was in West Virginia. Okay. Um, that's where I was born and my parents divorced in 1980 and then we moved to Charleston, my mom and brother and my mom. And, uh, so I spent my entire, um, high school, uh, my entire grade school, high school and college years there because I ended up at the university of South Carolina, um, for undergrad. Okay. And then I moved away when I went to grad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so what was, so in Charleston, it was always Charleston. Yeah, uh, Charleston, and then college was in Columbia, which was two hours away. Okay, yeah. What's Charleston like? We paint a picture for those of us who haven't been there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if are, am I painting the picture of my formative years there because it's a little different now? Uh, I I would paint the picture of yeah. Let's paint the picture of Charleston in your formative. Okay, years. my formative. Okay, because um, I this I, might be the most I've ever said formative years <laughs> in one podcast. I'm loving it. <laughs> It, you gave change, a lot, it gave a quiet dignity to my podcast. You can change the name to Formative Years. All right. Um, I grew up um, on an island called Sullivan's Island, which is a barrier island. Um, several of them exist around Charleston. <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean by barrier Ter- island? Terrible about geography. Well, okay, because Charleston, the city, is a peninsula. It looks like a miniature Manhattan almost. Like, okay. Sh- although Manhattan's an island and Charleston's connected, so it's peninsula. And um, on all three sides of it that jut out into the ocean, there are these little islands that dot around it. And they're called barrier islands because they, I guess, protect protect, protect well, the edge. Well, that was my question like a, was I was just wondering if, it was, if barrier islands was like a, a, like a geographical natural description or if it was like a, called a barrier island because of the um, – like, Of course, like military. military yeah. Well, I don't – you know what? I don't know because I think both in a weird way because it protect from like – storms yeah or something but also like the island i grew up on there a fort moultrie was okay. there, there and go. um and that was i think the revolutionary war 
not this alone. I don't know. And I'm did you really say, bad at history I and I'm really too. bad at geography. I and I feel like, <laughs> please, I am too. Going to expose it all, but that's okay. It's totally okay. Uh, are you smarter than a fifth grader? No, no I'm not. I, no. I know that to be resoundingly true. Even in fifth grade, I wasn't. So. <laughs> Even in fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Sullivan's Island. So Sullivan's Island God, is I where. I couldn't love. Come on. Yeah. Okay. How Sullivan's awesome Island is what is the reason it's different now for a lot of reasons, but because um, I, I grew up in the '80s, just gonna put it out there. It was the '80s, guys. Some of you probably weren't born then, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean it wasn't there. It was a Doesn't decade they that there. actually happened, and yes. there was fluorescent clothing and gummy oh, bracelets. Joy, what a joy! <laughs> and um, but I grew up in the '80s there, and um, there's this interesting, weird connection nostalgia for that time period in, in that place and time um like so much so there's like a facebook page that's like i grew up in the 80s on Sol- like sullivan's i mean really yeah and like it's it's bizarre but it, it was a kind of like this. this magical it was this magical jungly kind of remote place there was only one bridge that connected it to the mainland at the time um, it was a drawbridge. Sometimes the drawbridge would get stuck open and you just be, would be on, you'd be stuck on the island. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so, and it was like this place that was, it was even like kind of separate from Charleston in a way because there were the people that lived in downtown Charleston and they were like fancy society people. And then the people that lived in Mount Pleasant and Sullivan's Island and Isle of Palms were like more fringe, like suburb, suburban people that yeah you know, it wasn't, there were different rules, I guess, you know, and like you could drive around with curlers in your hair on Sullivan. Oh, Island. you like would bike around with, cur- yeah, yeah. Love you it. would drive around. Curlers. You wouldn't do that in downtown Charleston because Never. That- I declare, exactly. oh, there it is. I got 13 minutes in before I had to do some sort of weird, uh, Southern thing. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So that, so that was like a, that was like a frozen moment in time. Uh, a Facebook page specifically for that era. Yeah, for that era and that place. But I now go there. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to You've link to go. that Facebook page on the JV Club. But Facebook now page. it's a different place. I mean, it's it's become very um, inhabited. It wasn't very inhabited then. It was like a bunch of like shacky beach houses. Like my parent, like my mom and stepdad rented. What drew them out to Sullivan's Island? I think. Um, well, my mom. <laughs> well, my mom, when, when she divorced my dad, like her dream was to live by the beach. Like that was, she loved the ocean. Like she just, I don't know. Like we moved to South Charleston, South Carolina, just also cause she got transferred there with her job, but sh- she wanted to be near the ocean. Mm. And it's totally different than West Virginia, which is completely landlocked and covered in mountainous, you know, it's rugged there. Yeah. And, um, so that was what drew my mom. And then my stepdad, he he had bought a house there with his wife like in the 70s for like $2 or something. I know. Remember when people bought houses? For $2. Two blocks from the beach. Oh. Yeah. And um, no, I'm not kidding. It was like $35,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. And my stepbrother lives in that house today with his wife and kids. That's so and, cool. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure, like worth a gazillion dollars. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Just because of the look. But like it was like it's an uninhabited jungly place. And I think that was what drew people there. And it was cheap. I mean, 
we we rented this huge like four or five bedroom beach house like two blocks from i think my mom said they paid like four hundred dollars a month or something and now that same house like was on the market for like 1.6 of course of course it was was it um did you have air conditioning and stuff or was it like really hot we had air conditioning um we did um it wasn't amazingly effective but the like the beach house that we lived in for a lot of those years had a lot of um porch and french doors and um you know fans and stuff like that so and also like closer to the ocean there's a little bit of a breeze you know but it is hot and humid i mean i'm not gonna lie i mean did you have any kind of sense then that what you're describing i mean i know that you know because you're a a, you know poetic uh, artistic person that you (laughs) what you're describing is so lovely but when you're a kid do you have any or a teenager do you have any sense of that or did you have a sense of like or were you just like, this is my normal life. This is what I do here. And like, this is what makes me impatient about it. And, but this is what I like about it. You know I what I mean? Don't kn- I, I don't know because what's interesting is when I look back on that time, I think I had a sense of it, but I don't know if that's just me imposing an adult Projecting knowledge. Back. Yeah. Because there was like a real um, drama to it at the time and I don't even think it was just strictly adolescent drama I think it was the drama of the place because this place has an energy about it like has a history to it I mean Charleston in and of itself has a history like the peninsula part too I mean it is a place that's kind of frozen in time like there's a historical society that preserves the skyline and the you know the antebellum home you know all that so there is a bit of feeling like you're on a movie set all of the time yeah you know and and just the breezes and the smells of the marsh and all of that so i think i was aware yeah i think how was it um because people talk about the carolinas being sometimes more liberally minded or more accepting (laughs) than some Mm. of the other areas of the south and so was it was there any of that at all or was it a very conservative community were there like gay kids where you went to high school or anything you know what i mean was was anybody allowed to be out this is what is kind of true about it it is uh on at least on Sullivan's where I grew up, there were some liberally minded people, I mean, like people that I'm still friendly with today. And like they're on Facebook, like Obama, you know, or whatever. Um, however, in general, even Charleston, which some, I think it went, was a blue County, the first Obama election, but I'm not sure. Um, it is very segregated and it is, and it's all class. Like it's, it's like there's a there's an upper class and a poor class, and the middle class. I mean, now the middle class is kind of growing more, just anywhere in America, based on the recession right. or whatever, you know. But it, it's it's super segregated. I mean, there are parts of the city. I mean, there was like a black part, and then below this one street, like the white part, you know. Mm-hmm. And you still see that today, like when you drive around. So I think there are liberally minded people there. But there, it's an old city with a lot to change over time, like hundreds of years of thought sure. that it's hard to reverse. But sure. there are, um, there were a lot of gay people um, growing up. I mean, like, well, because I always studied theater and stuff. So I had that. Um, in Colombia, it was a little bit more uh, um, prevalent, like in the in the theater community and stuff like that. But there was like also like a lot of I think like gay men <laughs> that were like super femi like tra- old Charleston men, but that are married. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like there's like a southern archetype of that sort of like, you know, this the 
the nice seersucker seer suit, suit, suit and the whiskey and the, you know, but sort of a femininity there. I don't know. Um, that's it's so easy for me to picture. I think you're yeah. right. There is an archetype because I immediately there's know what a you're major archetype. About. So I think there's some old families that probably have those like skeletons in the closet mm-hmm. that never came out. But I think you know, just like anywhere, as years go on, things become a little more progressive. Hope you know, hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah. Was the, what was the island like? Was it? Um, was it? I mean, was it like there's a main street on the island there's with like little street. shops and stuff? Sort so you didn't of. just have to. Obviously, if the drawbridge was up, then yeah, there was a main street with little shops. Like there was this place called Burt's Bar, and everyone would be like, "If it hurts, go to Burt's." There was like a little <laughs> corner it. store. You know, there was this place called Gruber's, and there, you know, there's all this mythology attributed to that time like mr gruber like he he obsessively counted your change like and that was just like known on the island there was another little store called rouse's that had our uh, video games like where we'd get off of like the 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 school bus and all the boys would like play video games there and they sold those like quarter candies in the boxes you know like lemon yes. heads and boston baked beans yes. so we'd buy candy after school like that kind of hot, thing maybe even a hot tamale might oh yeah hot tamales yeah. atomic fireballs yeah, yeah. <laughs> mike and ike's yep yep oh yep, my yep, god yep. i love so it there all. there is that but now like that whole strip if you will is like restaurants and bars and it's become like built up gotcha. and it's crowded all the time. Gotcha. Yeah. But it used to just be like that just served the local. And so did you, so was the high school on Sullivan's Island or did you go? No, into, I went, so you did. You went I went Charleston. downtown. Yeah. I would drive downtown or first I drove with my brother, rode with my brother who could drive. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. So I drive every day. I drive that drive every day. I could do it in 15 minutes. And <laughs> I knew exactly like how to get there. And I love that you said you could do it in 15 minutes as if I would be like, anyone normally it takes Any, 30 minutes. Anyone you would know. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a 20. Okay. So I'm understanding that 15 minutes is a good amount yeah. of time to take it. I mean, if it was a five minute drive for most people, that would mean something different <laughs> if you could do it in 15 and minutes. And it was fun going to school downtown because there were like those downtown kids, like they all, you know, had like had these big old homes and like sometimes you'd go there after school and, and these are like homes that are like built in the 1800s and stuff, you know, but it was just, I don't know. It was very romantic. These are like the, like the wealthier kids, I'm assuming. Yeah. Some of them were wealthier and some of them just like inherited into that and might not, and like might've been middle-class, but just, they were born into that neighborhood or whatever. And where did you fit in, in the kind of social culture? I know you said you were doing theater and stuff. I fit in. Um, well, I, I was sort of like, um, well, I had my brothers and so, um, like I knew all of those guys or whatever, like the older guys. So you have one older brother. You have two older brothers. I oh well, I have an older biological brother, and um, another older stepbrother okay. from my mom's marriage. Okay, and then yeah, because when you said you guys moved, you said you and your brother, and then I got confused when you said you. Have yes. Brother. Well, see, my mom remarried um, the summer before my eighth grade year. And we inherited a stepbrother from gotcha. that. And then my father remarried um, when I was 17. And she has two sons as well. Oh, okay. But um, I didn't grow up with them, as it were, because they stayed in West everyone's Virginia, older. Or? Yeah. They, well, they live other places, but they grew up in West Virginia. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah. So there were always boys in, in my house, like always, because of the two older brothers. Yeah. Between my brother and my, bo- my stepbrother. Um, and just socially, I think, uh, you know, I was just, I, I had, I was friends with a lot of different groups. Like I've always been that way. 
like even now in Hollywood, mm-hmm. I feel like I have like a lot of different pockets of friends from different um, crowds, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. Like I always like moved in and out of all of them. Um, I, I want to say it's because I, um, I'm malleable, but I don't think that's what it is. I don't know why. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know why. Interesting. Because I don't think I change who I am when I'm with different groups. Yeah. I think I just like, I, I've been always kind of like spongy. You're terribly likable. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I think I'm just spongy. You know, like I just like to absorb people's mm-hmm. energies. Like I've always kind of like, like sucked that in. Like that's I get always that. Bit, I think I'm similar actually. Yeah, I think I you are totally, too. Yeah. Actually. I don't feel, I don't. I would rather almost not have a sense I because I've, I I feel like I've envied the sense of belonging that I see other people have with with very specific social groups that oh, they I stay inside of. Yes, I know I have. But at the same there. time we're making the choice not to sort of affiliate ourselves so strongly with one that we have a place in that way. Yes, because, because I do like sort of I don't like I think as much as I envy that I also feel like hemmed in by it so in some do way. I. And I, I have an impatience about it. 100% relate to everything you're saying yeah. right now. Like I feel like I almost need to to have that um variety, not yeah. variety, but or just like I don't know, it's like a curiosity maybe about humanity. Yeah, that I hope I have or yeah. I'd like to have or cultivate or continue to to have. Yeah, I yeah. feel the same. Yeah. So I kind of moved in between um, groups. Now, that's not to say that I didn't have like my, my tight girls, girlfriends or whatever, because I did. But um, but even then, like, even they would say like, oh, I can't believe you're going to so-and-so's party, like, whatever. And I'm like, it's like a, someone I knew since I was in fourth grade or something. You know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. I just kind of always maintained, which is also why I think I like social networking too, because you can have that spectrum of people like in your field of vision on a daily basis and you can just kind of like draw in from it like what people are up to and I don't I find it fascinating I think that makes perfect sense I absolutely understand that and I do think that there is something that people hunger for you know we talk a lot on the podcast about the sort of like parallels between um being teenagers and kind of being where we are in our lives here and now and and uh I don't know. It was funny. Someone said something. I can't. I don't think they said it on my podcast, but a, a recent podcast cast guest. I think after, I think it was Kathleen actually, was saying that <clears throat> she feels like something about like like the, the like the sort of amorphous thirties people in their thirties because I, that's the majority of people that I've had on the podcast, um, early to late thirties, uh, but also late twenties that there's something about this period that feels like it's more connected to your adolescence than your twenties felt or than what she thinks that her forties are going to feel like. Like she thinks somehow that like, if there's a way that you like leapfrog over times so that like maybe you feel closer to being like 10 when you're in your twenties, but you feel close. I don't know. She she made some interesting associations, but social media feels like that a little bit somehow too. Like that you would like the age that we are from the generation that we are from is like, it's a, it's prime for us to sort of have this thing that's closest to your teenagerhood yes. that in your twenties wasn't really developed yet. No. So I uh, know we really are speaking specifically to a certain age group, but, but it does feel like Facebook and all that kind of stuff came around before 
Like, like at a time when we can reconnect with like, oh my God, this almost feels like high school where I sort of like I am agree. in touch with a bunch of different people. I totally agree. And I, can, and I sort of have a sense of what's going on. There are different social groups that I'm tied into. And also that I think that, that yeah. resonates too because in, in your 20s, I feel like like things go haywire. <laughs> at least in my 20s. Like, yeah, my 20s like, were kooky. My, te- my 20s were like, oh, that was, yeah, that was not who I was. <laughs> you know, like, well, it's, it's really interesting you would say that too so specifically about that's not who I was because that was like that was sort of the period of time in which I took the biggest break from this from like what I thought I Me too. what I spent my time thinking I wanted to grow up and do Me too. then suddenly became like I'm not going to do that I can't do that I'm not going to do it for any number of reasons and so it's a major period of it's self-doubt it's a major period of self-doubt and yeah and, of, and it's a rite of passage to so get to where you're supposed to be, I think. But because it wasn't until my late twenties that all of a sudden everything started to reshape itself. Yeah, and, and did I you ended get up going, into- "Oh, I'm closer now to like the version of myself I expected when exactly. I was seven. There was like a huge period of time, like ten years between like eighteen and twenty-seven or something. A complete loss of complete sort of like, yeah. oh, I'm in a going in a completely different direction. Yes. Wow. I mean, also, did you get sucked into a, a guy in the twenties? Well, a, there was a guy. For you, there was yeah. For me, well, I was, was in a bad mood. I was oh, okay. Well, I well, I'd love to hear more about that. We're gonna talk about boys anyway, so we'll we'll use that as a segue. But I, my twenties, the middle, like pretty much my early into my late twenties, I had like a, a five year relationship with someone that I think is like one of the most amazing people in the world. Like oh, he wow. and I are still friends. That's and, nice. Yeah, he actually does um, a lot of like design for Sketchfest stuff because mm-hmm. he was with us at the very. I was with Chris. His name is Chris. Um, at the very beginning of our, uh, of when we started the festival. And so he did our identity design for it. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so he's, so he, I did spend a lot of time with in my twenties and I feel like a lot of, I was just talking about this with someone else, like, um, not on the podcast, but, uh, but that I feel like a lot of my aesthetics come from him because uh-huh. he was so stylish and so he was a, he's a painter and a graphic designer and he was a DJ. And so, um, he was like the first guy that I was involved with where I felt like he was cooler than I was. Not yeah. to say that I felt like I was so cool. It wasn't that at all, but like right. I had gone out with like theater guys or like, you know what I mean? I just, uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, amazing, funny writer types and stuff right. like that. But Chris was so, he's so a- aesthetically attuned and That's he has cool. such specific taste. And so I feel like, like he was just never a guy that I was, you know how some women talk about, listen guys, I apologize for this, but hopefully the guys who listen to this will uh, appreciate we'll and like identify. That we are. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, and if Fondly you're gay or if you're, um, no matter what, hopefully you'll, you'll be able to identify with this. But I think there is that kind of thing where girls kind of make the joke that like, sometimes there are guys that you date that you like sort of, they're like, like you get to sort of model them into sort of stylistically what you want. Like there, that's a thing, right? It's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon where girls are like, Oh my God, that girl totally made that guy like attractive in his different way or whatever that means. Like she gave him style or whatever. Like a guy that has like, you'll be like, Oh, he has potential or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel terrible saying that, but, um, but it's, but but reality. yeah, so there's sometimes there's like something that transformative that happens for a guy with a certain woman in his life, of and, course, and, and they sort of get their style, and like yes. suddenly they kind of are. And girls joke about it, like I made him what he is, like yeah. I made him, I primed him for like the women yes. that came after me and stuff. Yes. Um, I think I had had a little bit of that, uh, 
and also I was still really young, but like Chris was somebody who just, I would, I just thought he was amazing. Like, and he fully respected me too. It was in no way. Was it like, Oh my God, you're so great. And I'm so dumb. He thought I was, you know, the bee's knees also. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and so the stuff that I exposed to him too, he was totally loved, loved and the stuff that he exposed me to, but he was like the guy that, you know, we would go to a museum and like, really talk about the art like he right. wanted to talk about mark rothko and mondrian and you know he wanted to talk about modern art and jasper johns and like he want he was he would like acquaint me with all these like badass like the sort of like skateboard graphic design like giant robot japanese yeah like, yeah sort of he was that cool world. stuff yeah he like was, cool he is so cool and yeah. remains so cool if he ever listens to this he'll tease me mercilessly <laughs> that i'm going off on him this much but he's just cool i like, get he's it super i cool. get him i get and exactly i think i still saying. yeah and somewhere in my mind i think i still associate his style as like the style like I'm you into. took like, that from that to relationship see a guy across That's a room right. i'll be like oh that guy looks like he could be you know a member of like the verve or something right. like look at those clarks look at those corduroy pants <laughs> look at like that like sweet sweater vest <laughs> right. and like you're dressing up but you're dressing de- like I'm so into that look yeah still. I like to think like every relationship like you take a gift from it yeah. you know and 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 that was what he gave you was the sort of I mean sense he gave of- me a lot more I hate to say that yeah, right but like yeah but like there was a there was definitely a lot that I still know I'm enthusiastic about because yeah. of him yeah that means, um, yeah <laughs> But uh, and I can't say that so much for like people I went out with in in high school and college and stuff. I don't I didn't have that kind of like awakening to certain cultural things. I don't think I did either. Um, What was (laughs) I want to get to the guy in your 20s, which you you do certainly don't have to name by name. But what was your dating life like in high school? Well, I dated a lot. I I actually hesitate to talk about this, but I think this sounds like you had options because you were friends with so many different people. (laughs) That is true. That maybe that's why I had so many options, but, um, I dated a lot. I, there were always boys around. I mean, also, like my, like I said, my brothers had there. Oh yeah, I was a revolving door. I wanted to ask if there, if you were, because it's funny. I've I've had a I've had a stretch of. Uh, it seems like I've had a lot of girls who've grown up around a lot of guys. Like they were the only girl, and like a, yeah, you know, yeah, seven brothers or like their brothers' friends. Yeah, and uh, and so were so were you like the cute younger sister, or were they I like? Guess so. Yeah. I mean, I I just it was like our house a lot of times was like Grand Central Station. I mean, it was like you know our door was unlocked. People didn't lock their doors back then. Of course, not on Sullivan's not Island. Not on Sullivan's Island. Are you Island kidding me? In the eighties. Check out the Facebook page <laughs> if there's any anything you can take. With. But I mean, like it was just like a constant co- like moving cocktail party. I mean, without the cocktails, although sometimes there were because we were bad. I would assume <laughs> we that were there bad. Some <laughs> yes, but that's like sort of how Charleston is, or that was back then too. I it still is now, but um, I just I don't know. Like there were I dated. I was boy crazy. Like from a young age. I think age. a lot of straight girls were, but maybe couldn't do anything about it. I was just boy crazy and um my girlfriends were boy crazy and um there was um like <laughs> I I I don't know. Uh, because I was around guys all the time, like I wasn't a tomboy. I never was like that. I was always really girly. Are there a lot of tomboys? I, I guess I'm, a, I'm, I'm now going into the archetype of like this, the sort of feminine Southern girl. The feminine too. Southern girl. There, I never hung out with too many of them, but they were around. But yeah, I think the fe- there was a lot of like girls that, you know, did that whole like debutante thing. And I, like I went to mixers, like I went to dances. I went to like every dance. 
I went to every dance at every school I was in and also other schools around town because I was always like somebody's date. Yeah. You know, and then I went to like debutante parties and then that's where you, like you get set up on dates for those and stuff. I was not a debutante. Like I, my family was a little quirkier. Thank God. I mean, we were not part of that whole thing, but I went to school around that. So I ended up kind of going to, I loved it. I mean, I loved dressing up. I loved, you know, the bands. I love, I loved like the hors d'oeuvres. And so yeah, I was nuts about boys and kind of remained that way (laughs) until my thirties. Did you get your heart? So did you get your heart stepped on a lot or was it sort of mutual or was it just like, there were so many, there was a lightness to it that where it was like, nobody ever really, it wasn't, it wasn't like the, the, you know, the um, intensity of like the first love and then he did this and you were shattered. I and think then there was that. intensity. There was definitely intensity, but I was in love all the time. Like there was, in, I, I was a little bit of a heartbreaker, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that's not to say like, I didn't, you know, have my moments where I was like, Oh my God, like I can't believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, Jane. Yeah. I yeah. Love this. The, there was always like a drama. I mean, I don't know. Was I mean, there ever drama of like, because it's a smaller community of, yes. you know, you're dating the boy that I was dating. Yes. And I'm da- oh. There was drama like that. That's my least favorite drama, I yeah. think, in, in those, in the world of love. Yeah. And I think I try to juggle guys um, and that didn't turn out well. <laughs> I did. I did find like this hilarious letter. I brought some of my dumb. Yeah. I'm posts. so glad. Um, I was about to say, do you have pictures of any of the dances or like what's in that envelope? <laughs> oh, she God, came in with I a little package said. full of things. I know. I, I found some dumb letter that I wrote my brother when he was in college and it was like describing my, my love woes. I'm begging. I mean, this is like, a, I will, I will share. Okay. <laughs> I'll read it to you guys. I don't know why I didn't send it to him. Um, it kind of cracks. That is me funny up. too when you find something and you're like, "Oh, this is basically a journal entry, but that I wrote I as a letter to send. someone else and then never oh, sent." Oh, here it is. Is this it? I love it. Oh no, that's a, some kind of I thing don't know about what it is, but I love camp it. or something. But yeah, like I think there was like some. There was just drama. I mean, in a in a way. Oh, I should have pulled these out before so that. How we're glad not, are you like, that you kept all that? <laughs> I forgot that I had this and my mom sent me this. Guys, I I want you to know that these pages are literally yellowed. They are yellow. Oh, this. Okay. Here it is. I might have to change some names to protect the innocent. Please do. I will say that it is dated April 9th, 1987. (laughs) 89. I mean, 89. 89, But that does look April 9th, 1989. Okay. Dear Alex. Hey, I don't know why I bother writing you because you're worthless. Maybe that's why I didn't send it. (laughs) You never write me back. And when you call, you just sit there and don't say anything. So like, what the hell's your problem? (laughs) JK. I love it. I love you for reading this. This is already the best. I am writing you for a reason. I've got boy trouble. I know you would never think I would have problems with a guy. (laughs) But sometimes it happens. (laughs) I actually like someone for real this time. (laughs) As in, I don't like this person for a reason. I just like him a lot. Oh my God. (laughs) Cool, huh? So great. Well, it's not. It (gasps) sucks. As those famous words flow from the melodic Def Leppard lead singer's mellifluous voice, love bites. Oh my God. I just found out so much about you, including... Let's all take a moment to celebrate <laughs> Def Leppard and Mellifluous in the same sentence. This is insane. Okay. I, I, I could, I would, mar- if I were PFT, I would marry you based on this letter alone. 
<laughs> Don't you think he has a wonderful way with the words? Well, anyways... I fucked everything up. Sorry, there's an F word in here. Because I got involved with this other guy. (laughs) We didn't really get involved because it only lasted one night. But theoretically, you could say that we did get involved to protect the names of the innocent. Oh, I guess I said that even then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was a lot of um, espionage going on. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Well, uh Boy one heard about me and boy two from his loudmouth, obnoxious friends who, by the way, have been trashing my name unnecessarily, but that's beside the point. <sighs> well, boy one got his feelings hurt along with everyone else like me because now he kind of wants to put things on hold until he sorts things out. But I want to ask him to junior senior because there's no one else special enough to ask, but I don't think he'll go and I'm scared anyway. Oh, well, I fucked it up. Drama. Oh, my. How's tricks with you? (laughs) Have you gotten any leg lately? What? (laughs) Just kidding. That was a little friend of ours names talk to make you feel at home. This summer will be fun. I want it to be like our summer's past, like with tons of our friends over here all of the time, late night food runs, and some good old beach parties to liven things up a bit. No more Ouija boards for me. I think I got really scared from Ouija board. Oh, heavens to (laughs) Betsy. This is fantastic. We'll get some more Fosters and Jim Beam (laughs) (laughs) and skip the skip and go nakeds because... This other friend of ours is a weirdo. Don't I don't even know what I'm referring to there. Uh, what do you call a guy? This is very politically incorrect. Okay, okay, great, great. What do you call a guy with no arms and legs in a pot of boiling water? Stew, haha. Bring some of your friends over for summer, okay? <laughs> you just take a break. You take a break to tell a to joke. tell a horribly inappropriate joke. Bring some of your friends home for summer, okay? Have you heard the Cult of Personality by Living Color? <gasps> it's the best song. I can't wait to see R.E.M. in concert. Right back, you fool. Love, Janie. Okay, that's not a time capsule. And also a look into oh psychology. The psychology of my... Oh, my God. <laughs> that was so beautiful. I can't believe you made references to Cult of Personality. R.E.M. and Def Leppard. and Def Leppard. I had eclectic musical tastes. I, and first of all, and and the other thing I want to say is, and I know that you didn't send it, but like, I do love that you were writing a letter to your brother. Even that oh, seems yeah. somehow like uncommon. I feel like siblings. I, I found know. a lot of letters in this packet that my mom sent me. I think there was just like a time where we wrote letters and it just evaporated almost overnight with email. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, still write letters to my mom because she doesn't have email. Seriously? When she retired, she doesn't have a computer at home. And oh, so that's she was great. just like, I'm done. That's nice. And she though. in so many in like she worked as a travel agent and she worked as um basically she worked on a computer all day every day and so she Don't was so over her. it yeah. that when she was done, she was done. I can so we still kind of write each other nice letters. And, and it is the liberating best. to not be glued to a computer. Oh my god, it's I the do. best. And there's a and there really is and you know, those of you who never really wrote letters or who just think that like now we're two old ladies going, yeah. it's not like it used to be. But I will say that it's the a different but, style. Yeah, I mean of the, communication. receiving the, a letter from my mom, like getting a letter in the mailbox, first of all, I love my mom's handwriting. Yeah. It's so it, I feel close to her uh-huh. in a totally different way than when we used to email. Because when she worked, we did email. Yeah. So this is like going back to old school. Yeah. You know, but there was a huge period of time when we did only email each other, really. She's she's always like written cards and stuff, but 
She, um, I love her handwriting. I love that she, like, she puts stickers oh on my, my envelope, on the That's envelopes. Nice. She snips out like New Yorker cartoons and encloses those oh little clippings. And so, do you have like a stack of all your mom's letters? Like, I do. Have, well, like, a- I have a I have a folder that has that that has her letters that come in, and then other things that like I need to reorganize so that I have a, a good stack of mom letters and cards. Yeah, but um, and she takes up like every like if it's a card, she takes up every square inch of the card like wow this side this side turn it over all the way to the end like mushing her signature in at the very bottom and you're an only child right i'm an only child and neither of my parents ever remarried okay um so my mom's close to her siblings she has she's two sisters and a brother she's really close to her two sisters but um you know other than that and her friends like and both her grandparents you know both my grandparents have died and um and so yeah so her and her letters are always like super newsy but like you know small town newsy like she'll describe the potluck dinner and what she came home with and you know what the ducks in the lake that are the little pond outside of her apartment are doing and stuff like that and it is so precious that's nice it's so so precious i do miss letter writing yeah letters are Letters, we, let's bring it back. <laughs> no, I'll write you a letter. Okay. I loved that letter so Oh my much. gosh. It's so, it cracks me up. Like, but listen when I'm to reading, you, you were a little harlot. I was a listen little, I was all over it. When you it. meant it lasted one night, did you mean that you... Oh, we hooked up. Like all the way? Um, yes. I'm just oh. going to, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, but everyone was doing that and yeah, i think so people are doing not, that now oh i'm that's a hundred percent sir yeah i mean i think when you're like a senior in high school yeah that's not i didn't have that's a not, lot, not yeah. normal i didn't have Is i it? really well no i don't I, I first of all i don't know what constitutes normal anymore and i don't know even what was normal then i know that i waited uh, did i wait i mean you know what i mean that yeah. makes it sound like i made a choice i don't ever remember making I a made conscientious a choice, choice to not wait like did I yeah. did, like I, I'm just telling you, like I was into boys, like it, yeah. they consumed my brain and yeah. my life. Like, yeah. did you feel so after you lost your virginity? Did you feel, do you mind if I ask how old you were? Um, I was 14. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, we've had a, we've run the gamut. We've had people, I think who've t- been 20 people. Who've yeah. Been 14. It's young. To d- it's young to lose I was your... 16. Um, I was just like want, in a hurry. Yeah. Did you I feel think I wanted like, to be grown? Like I wanted to be an adult. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I just wanted to get it over. Like I wanted to be. Well, it's interesting because yeah, the get it over with thing I think is so common. But it's funny because I look back and and I still know the person that I lost my virginity to, and I've said that before on the podcast, and he's great. Um, and uh, and he lives here actually, but um, but I all due respect to him. I, I I there was there were like a couple of boyfriends that I had before that that yeah. I. I'm surprised in a way that like I didn't with them. Uh-huh. And so that's why I'm saying like I'm interested in I don't ever remember making a conscious choice not to have sex with certain boyfriends. And I don't really remember having the conscientious decision to have sex with the one that I did lose my virginity. Yeah. To. So it's hmm. it's interesting to me because I because I definitely it's hard I, to remember. I sort of waited. It's like it just makes you wonder would I have done it with like one of my boyfriends that I was just terribly in love with, you know, uh-huh. when I was 14, would I have done it with him if we had met when I was 16 or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if it was an age thing or if it was a, I don't know. I'm I just mean, I was in like that. super in love with the guy I was dating in high school that I ended up, you know, losing my virginity to or whatever. And he, um, he was older. He's like 16. And, but I like literally thought like we were going to get married. Yeah. You know, like back in back then, because you're not yeah. thinking about yourself in in the world 
as like there being a future. Like you are literally, I think when you're a teenager, like you are literally living in the yeah, moment. Talk about living there present. Is no, you don't have any other way to be. Yeah. There's no sense of mortality. Yeah. There's no sense of like, oh, this thing I'm going to do, you know, that nowadays when kids like sex or, you know, like that that's going to be permanent and scar like their adult job opportunities or stuff I know, like we that. We talked about that too on you the know, podcast. Like, oh my God, if there had been the internet the way there was the internet now. <laughs> it would be yikes. interesting. Yeah. I, so I, I just think like I, the way I was thinking about it was way more primal and kind of like emotional. Like I wanted to, I wanted that emotional completeness. I wanted that. And, you know, and I was hormonal. I'm sorry. I was a teenager. I was literally exuding insane hormones, like in a way that it was uh, almost it's like so an affliction visceral. it's so <laughs> visceral and it and it colors so much of of your experiences and i do and and that's one of the things that i'm so appreciative about that time period too is that i feel like all of that crackling energy and activity cements even non-romantic or non-sexual memories it's it sort of all gets kind of jumbled in there into it your does. brain and into the feelings in your heart and the way that you hold on to memories so and songs wide that you hear then. from yeah. that time period, from that time, you know, from that age, <laughs> yeah. whatever yeah. age that was, you know, whatever, whatever era you guys are, you know, are the, who are listening to this are, are experiencing, you know, that that's just so it's so powerful. It is. And, and it feels like when you're going through that time in your life and there's that sense of just being in the present, you think that that's how you're going to think about the world for the rest of your life. Like you don't know that like you're going to be 30 one day and being like, and be like, Oh, I should save up for a house or, you know, or like, Oh, I should think about health insurance. Like you don't think that you'll ever think that way. And that's why people, that's why parents are like, please don't let my child get a tattoo. Like not when they're (laughs) 16, you know, because there is that sense of how could I not, how am I not going to always feel like this? Yeah. Which I also think is what's so, which is what's so hard about it. I mean, there's that it's wonderful to feel like, you know, this is the most important thing in this moment and it couldn't possibly matter less. It's wonderful. You know, that I have, it's been a long time since I've made an Anne of Green Gables reference on the podcast. And that was something <laughs> that came up very regularly, uh, uh, by coincidence also with guests of mine, with Jessica like Saint with Claire, Jessica right? St. Clair yeah. and June Raphael is like also loved, but <clears throat> The thing where Anne, where Marilla says to Anne, like, oh, God, why do you put yourself through this? You know, why are you so up and down? And she's like, oh, I would rather, you know, fly on the wing, you know, whatever. But like, yeah. I would rather feel that feeling of just like being on top of the world, even if it means I have to be, you know, shattered by something, you- than to not feel anything. And I think that that's... That, that's good and bad when you're when you're that age. And some of us are more melodramatic about our emotions anyway through the rest of I our mean, lives as I, I am now. I can't now, even but. imagine sustaining that kind of intensity of emotion for decades of, of life. Like yeah. you would burn out and collapse and yeah. die. <laughs> like I think it's important to have all those feelings then and go through it as a reference point. Yes. You know, because then you have that sort of... 
Yes. You know, baseline to go up and down from, and then you can figure out what sanity is or something. You're totally right. You're totally right. I think the only thing that I would throw out there that, you know, for those of you who are listening who are, you know, in college or or still in high school and stuff, and I do hear from you occasionally, so I know that you're out there and I adore you, uh, and I really feel, I feel so connected to you, um, is... Just to remind you again, you know, we talked about this, uh, we talk about this all the time, but that, that everything that Janie's talking about, also, if you're going through something like I went through or like Maria Bamford has gone through or anything that's, you know, a sort of a certifiable emotional yeah. illness or a mental, something like that, where it does feel like, oh my God, this anxiety and depression that I'm experiencing when you are locked into being in the moment and very present in the way that Janie just described. And it's scary and it's really hard. And exhausting. And and, it, and exhausting. Yeah. And it really does feel like I can't imagine a time when I'm not going to feel like this. Just a reminder that like you will not feel like that. Yeah. I think that's important. I, I also think it's just it's just a matter of faith. Like you have to just know. <laughs> and, and it's like faith. And it's also like sometimes my mom used to say this to me too, but sometimes she would say some days, sh- some days f- she doesn't even have the faith. And then those days are autopilot days right? where you don't even where like the last thing you should be doing is then beating yourself up for not having the faith. Then it's just like, just take care of your needs. Just take care of your needs. Your basic needs. Because that's that going to make you feel good. Like, you know, and maybe it is just taking a bubble bath and not speaking to anyone and listening to your favorite song or something like that. I yeah. don't know. I mean, God, I still have days like that. I'm 40 and I still have to, you know, for sure, like, for sure. Like, <laughs> but you come with this breath of experience to your point where you sort of had all of those emotions and you had the super, super highs and the super, super lows enough to sort of know that like there is a transience to that yes. and that, you know, yes. But it is bittersweet, right? It is bittersweet. bittersweet. Like to read a letter like that and to remember being like, I really like this person, (laughs) not for a reason this time, but because I just (laughs) like them. Like, what what were your reasons for liking the other boys? I have no idea. Like, because they were cool, because they were popular, (laughs) or because like maybe they like surfed. That was a big thing. Like if someone Mm, surfed. Okay. Like, or they were in a band Mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, like they were the smartest one or the funniest one, like stuff like that. And who was this character in your twenties that you lost some time to? Oh God. This guy well, who I now hate <laughs> on your behalf. He's, um, he's someone that I met when I was in drama school. I went, when I went to grad school at SMU and we had a five and a half year relationship. And, um, he was now keep in mind, I was getting my master's degree for the entire first three years of our relationship. So I was very distracted. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> but um, he turned out to be, um, for lack of a better word, I mean, a sociopath. Like, he mm. literally was leading a double life. Oh, my God. Like, we moved to New York together. Um, he, uh, <laughs> we moved to New York together, and um, he was an actor at the time. He's not anymore um, to be actors. Like, we moved there to start our careers. And um, the la- the final two years of our relationship and how long were you together five and a half okay. so for the first three i was in uh school right and then the the last two and two and a half we had moved to manhattan together uh, which by the way um ended beautifully with 9 11 oh happening my. at the at the very height of our relationship oh crumbling so oh it was my. like it was ptsd oh. plus you yeah. know <laughs> PTSD huge, emotional huge. yeah um so 
he just was a pathological liar. And I, he was very charming. He's incredibly smart. He's had a sad life, which is like the perfect, mm-hmm. like, you know, catnip for me. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, like, there is like joy out there. Like, I know about it. I lived mm-hmm. it. You know, let me give you all of my joy. I can totally fix you. (laughs) I can totally fix you. You're obviously working on yourself, you know, like, um, and the, when, during the New York period, um, he was just like involved with these other women, like that I suspected. And he insisted I was wrong. Like he basically gaslit me and I was, I felt like I had like, so he systematically chipped away my trust of my own instincts to the point where like I ended up going into therapy to work on my insane paranoia. Mm. When I came to found out every single moment of paranoia that I had experienced was completely the reality. And he had twisted it in front of my eyes and made it not the reality. And I just was completely shattered by it but also like i had to mourn the loss of the relationship like a death in a way because the person that i thought i was with didn't exist yeah you know what i mean and so in a in a crazy way it was an easier thing to mourn because i never wanted to be back with that person because it was a mirage like i couldn't be like you know like oh my god so it's so different right it's such a different it's a different the ways in which our relationships splinter and the ways in which we have to move through those losses are so dependent on that the circumstances, so the circumstances. Yes. yeah the difference between loving someone and having them not want you anymore and them not wanting to hurt you and being the good pre- people that they are is so much it's such a different kind of devastation yes. than oh my god i've been lied to what does that say and then it, you turn it inward you turn it on yourself like, like oh oh a- my god this person was a monster but i chose this monster what's wrong with me how could i not have how seen? could i not have exactly it's it's the craziest mind f you know because and he he had proposed to me a year after we moved to manhattan and so i was like oh yeah we're just together so of course you know and i think i wasn't even ready to be married at age 27 because i i ended up getting married at age 37 if that tells you anything I still had a decade of not wanting to be married. I mean, I told you I loved men. Like I loved dating. Like after I got out of that relationship, I dated all through my thirties and it was great, but well, you picked a good one. I picked, I ended up landing on a great one. I, I, I'm very lucky, but at the time I was just, I don't know why I didn't see, I think when you're with someone with that kind of an illness, cause I've done a lot of reading about it. Um, there is, you almost can't believe it can be true. Like you almost can't believe a person can be that duplicitous. Yeah. So you justify it in your mind, you know? Yeah. So I, I, he's now married to one of the women that he cheated on me with and they have children and they live in town actually. And I've been lucky enough to avoid bumping into them. However, I have, and I'm just going to say this on the podcast and I probably shouldn't be saying it for the world wide web but i keep waiting for like some crazy shoe to drop like for him to oh i'm sure it will yeah i mean i and i i i i'm i'm a big true crime aficionado like and i see these people i'm like oh that reminds me of my ex that guy who's lying to his wife or who's lying you know 
I don't think he's going to do something illegal. Unless he had but- some sort, unless he had some sort of relevatory, like you know what I mean. Soul I wonder about people. searching and destroying, like because I do. I one hundred percent know people are capable of change. There's no question in my mind that people are capable of change. It is hard ass work, and I wonder people about really that, have though, to. Because I don't know if everyone is capable of change. I don't know if everyone is. Because I think there are certain mental illnesses that are just chronic. Like, yeah. like if you have diabetes, you have diabetes. Yeah. If you have borderline personality disorder, you have border, you know. I agree with you. I yeah, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. But I think that there has to be. I think the differences, and this is what you know, people like in the program would say, is yeah. like you have to be aware. Like your eyes have to be open to what you're doing and what it's doing to other people. Right. Otherwise, you'll but never change. If you're narcissistic, yeah. If you or can't whatever, see that, or that's you, part of your yes. disease, and you're ne- and no one ever gets through to you, I wonder about. Then that. I don't know either. Yeah, because it's almost like that's the that's the disease. Is like not the disease is the inability to ever know what you're really doing. What you're, the consequences of your even action. be able to yeah. change it. But I don't that's know. I mean, it also sticky. his his particular personality quirks could have quirks could have been like just clinical depression, and maybe he's being medicated now. And you're right, and there is yeah. some sort of self awareness. However, but I also feel know. like if I don't know. He, but I also feel this, which is that I think that if he did he ever come back or, to you and say, "Oh my God, like I, I what I did was no. unforgivable," then to me that's like no. then it's done because I think that anybody who does something like that, um, if there's no point of reckoning where they come back to you, and I'm again, I'm not talking about like someone in, in a like steps a process step, or anything. Yeah. I'm not even talking about yeah. that. I'm just talking about like anybody healing, who healing wakes themselves. up to their shit. Yeah, you're compelled to I think people are compelled to want to apologize I agree. to someone that they loved if they hurt them. I, I don't think it has. Any, oh, I it don't doesn't have to have anything to do with uh, any kind of a steps process. It can just be somebody who's like, I've heard I've heard people in my life. And the, it is so important to me that they know that you were aware that I am so sorry. Yes. You know what I mean? Just I, for my own. That's why I'm wondering about him as a human being. Occasionally, I don't think about him that much. Uh because I have a life now, obviously, but <laughs> sure. I do wonder about that because at the time when it was all going down, like the crazy drama of that breakup and being in Manhattan post nine eleven, you know, <laughs> he, but he was like, I'm a horrible person. And almost like that was the justification for it. Yeah. Like, well, I'm just a damaged person. And so I'm not, I'm, I hate myself. I'm not worthy. Da, da, da. And it wasn't an apology to me because it wasn't like saying, I'm worried about your feelings in this. It's like saying, like, I'm the victim in a way, you know? And it's like, you're not a victim. You are the perpetrator. perpetrator. Yeah. Like, you have derailed a lot of people's lives here. And, you know, like, my family took him in, you know, like, How he did sta- it, when it, and when it ended, was it because you finally found out? Or was it because no. you found out after the fact? Like, it ended between you, and then you found out that you'd been right? Uh, we, were, we were planning the wedding, and he got cold feet, and he wanted to take a break. And I said, okay. He moved a block away, because we shared a dog. Um, then, when 9-11 happened, two weeks later, I think because that was such a jarring and terrifying experience, and he was seeing someone this whole time that we were trying to work things out, the girl that he was seeing was like, you have to tell her, you have to tell her. Who I'm friendly with now, actually, because we're like war uh, buddies. Yeah, exactly. Um, but because um, she contacted me years later to warn me that he was moving out here. Mm. <laughs> and told me her whole story, which is a whole mm. other story. But um, so he, he just came clean. 
he just like one night I thought we were getting to talk back to yeah yeah, yeah. Like, to talk about our relationship because it was such a horrific time of fear and you know apocalyptic sure you know whatever because like we'd just been attacked like a terrorist attack and he basically just told me everything i think he felt pressure from his current relationship yeah. to spill it and i was like 100 percent shocked in the moment but also like this explains everything i'm not crazy like there was a sense of weird relief of, of like you like oh okay so those that time you know when you know like i found that receipt or whatever like it just it it was a sense of validation and also just complete shock because i trusted this person and i brought him into my family like mm. my family trusted that's that's the worst guilt ever of course they are were amazing about of it of course you know and completely forgiving but you just feel so guilty because you were conned isn't that so fascinating? And you're supposed to be smart. I know. It's such a weird... You think, you, you know... It's such a weird... You're right. It can it's happen such a to anybody. It's such a weird... Like, yeah. It's, a, it's a, what we've already said. That, that the idea that, that the difference... The difference in the way you have to mourn something and the way... There are so many different ways for us to be hard on ourselves. Yeah. I know. I would like if it's the if if you walk away if you walk away with if you if you have your heart broken by somebody that you still have on a pedestal, then you're just going to beat yourself up for not being good enough. And wish that you were with that. And then if you're yeah, and then if somebody and then if you you're left by somebody or you find out that somebody's a horrible person, then you're going to be shitty to yourself about not knowing better. Like yeah, give uh, let's give ourselves a A break break, for God's sake. And I'm able to yeah now yeah, but I mean I went through stages of grief or whatever of course you, you know did. it's just you know i think the lesson was to like if you have if something doesn't feel right yeah then it's not right you know what i mean yeah and uh if it's if it feels wrong it's wrong and don't try to justify don't listen to the outside voices because that's the that's the voice that was a loud and strong voice his voice of of saying that no it's right it's right i love you so much i you're my life you're my this you're, you know like just constant manipulation you know and 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 if that person is so, like he was a really needy emotion emotionally needy person there was no room to hear the noise in my own head because yeah. it was all his voice kind of brainwashing me i guess yeah you know but I don't believe he he loved me. I think he loved that I loved him, and he used me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I've definitely done. I have definitely done things to people that I. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a, I'm not so a monster. Have I. I know. You know what I mean. I've, I've heard, made but mistakes. Like, I've made mistakes. Yes. but I. But I had remorse. <laughs> There's well, a difference. I mean, yeah. I mean, a I conscience. think that's ultimately. Ultimately. Um, you know, we talk, uh, this is this is something that I that I talk about with with friends a lot. I think is is that that it, it ties into the idea of listening to that voice. But it's the, it's the idea of like um, being I, I, guys. I can't I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast. Sorry, but the idea of like being selfish at the right times instead of being selfish at the wrong times. Right. Like if you don't take care of yourself and you're always worried about how what. How, how someone else is doing ultimately you we are human beings and ultimately we will still protect ourselves in ways we're not even aware of so if you're not 
listening to those voices, you, you, it might come out in a way that you would never want it to come out. Like yeah. if you're being hurt in a relationship in a way that you don't understand or you're not willing to look at, you might end up hurting that person back by cheating on them or by being unavailable. You know what I'm saying? Like, but those it's are all like normal human. Yeah. Mistakes. I mean, this got, yeah, this obviously, uh, which is I like agree, very specific. I agree with you. I mean, um, I, I think there's, there's a, there's, there's a line that it crosses, I think, when, I mean, also I mean, like, the fact that he was willing to, to watch you think you were crazy, the way, the fact that he was willing to create, not oh my, f- I'm glad I've squeezed one burp in during the podcast. <laughs> thank God. Thank God I worked that yes. in. We almost got all the way through. Uh, but the fact, yeah, the fact that like he was able to watch you disintegrating into this place of you thinking you were crazy. Yes. You not being able to get the love from him that you needed and feeling like you were crazy and paranoid like and going to therapy. That. Yeah. That is dark shit. That's really dark. It is so dark that it, it blows my mind that he has a woman in his life. That's not love. I I've, I you can't feel love sorry you for can't her. truly love someone and watch them do that to themselves and feel, be responsible yeah. for it. No, he's never apologized. Never. I he's I think he's literally incapable of feeling shame. I think he's a shameless person. God, that's so stunning. Yeah, and there are people Ooh. like that. There are a lot of people like that in Hollywood yeah, that I've encountered. It probably attracts that kind yeah. of. There's a certain metal that you can have m-e-t-t-l-e guys uh <laughs> that that like there's that that like borders on so like being a sociopath I that i think can oh, i've read can about sustain it. people can sustain that here and be rewarded financially way, yeah. yeah in a darker way than than there might be room for in the rest of the world i'm gonna, i gotta pick up the the lightness of this because we are uh over an hour oh, um and what yes. i would like to do is maybe play one life. of the this is all this is a surefire way to uh lighten it up which is to play um a couple of little games i oh, just have fun. to remember where i put my your book game for stuff? a second yeah <laughs> um i'm gonna put the mic down it's probably gonna make a loud obnoxious sound and, and janie you can entertain people while i quickly okay. look for it because i'm unprofessional and didn't pull it out beforehand <laughs> well i just want to say that i'm having a nice time on this podcast <laughs> and i'm drinking um an organic apple cider vinegar all-natural drink that janet gave me that um i'm really enjoying it's um, really good right maybe you'll get a sponsorship <laughs> Made by, Bra- I would be by Bragg. be super excited. She's into that. She's in- <laughs> I would be very excited. I can't saying, imagine. Uh, I've never even delved into the sponsorship. Paul C. Bragg. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, Dr. Bragg. Heads up, Dr. Bragg. He is a PhD, I do. I do drink these a lot. He's there. a life extension specialist. I uh, I do not drink kombucha, so this is really the this closest thing This is like your kombucha. Yeah. Let's take you back to... Mm. You know what? It doesn't... Uh, mm. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't have okay. to be... Um, it doesn't have to be what you would have picked. It can be. It can be a combination therein. Okay. We're going to play MASH. Do um, I know how to play that? Mansion, apartment, shack, house. Did oh, you ever yeah. play this? This is it's three ca- guys that you would marry, um, like oh, three yeah. cars that you would drive. I think uh, I vaguely. You're going to talk me through this, though, right? Yes. So basically, it's like, is this something you would play when you were a kid? If it's something you played when you were a kid, you might be like, I want to be married to Michael J. Fox, Kirk Cameron, and Corey Haim. Okay. Um, but it but it can be, it could even be a version, it could be like, this is, you know, what little Janie would have wanted, or it can be like, 
silly fantasy okay. world of today like who your three <laughs> your three guys on your maybe list maybe i'll blend it maybe I'll and you could it. totally blend it you could pull an alex p keaton you could uh <laughs> throw a, a clive owen in there i mean it's totally oh, yeah. up to you okay okay <clears throat> and so i'm okay. going to ask you for different categories and you're going to give me three options and at the end um we'll by a process of elimination we will uh tell you how your life ended up with this in this fictitious world okay with these i'm ready different cars and jobs and things that you have i'm totally ready. so let's start it with uh uh, some gentlemen what are th- who are three guys that you would like to marry okay i'm gonna go back in the recesses because right. it just amuses me right Love because it. would not want to marry them today yeah um roger taylor the drummer from duran duran oh my god hilarious <laughs> i probably i was into wait his name is Roger Taylor. Well, there was John Taylor, yeah, who like I created Duran Duran. Oh, Nick, the Nick Rhodes, one. Nick Rhodes. Yeah, he always had the most makeup on <laughs> and looked the most like a girl, and I right. just couldn't have loved right, him right, more. Right. Okay, so Roger Rush. Taylor, the drummer. I like it because it seems like you picked, uh, you picked one that you might actually end up with. Like, oh, I don't want to compete with the other girls for Simon. I I know, Roger. but I don't know why. But Roger. He was like the swarthy one or something. I think I had a thing for that. The swarthy one. <laughs> okay, Roger Taylor. Okay. Um, oh, C. Thomas Howell was obsessed with the outsiders. I love it. <laughs> totally obsessed, you guys. And I think I also liked Ralph Macchio. Oh, this is great. <laughs> I had posters of... The original of, Karate Kid. Listen, all of those guys I just mentioned had posters of them in my room. I couldn't love this from more. From Tiger Beat. This is fantastic. Um... Okay, three cities that you would would want to live in. Okay, so then I'm going back in time. Yeah, definitely New York. I was obsessed with New York City. Love it. Um, Charleston because I still connected to Charleston, and even though I had never been, I was obsessed with Paris, like visiting Paris and anything French. I still am. Me too. (laughs) Uh, Still am. There's a reason that people love that city. It is the best city in the world. Uh, I'm sure many people will argue with me on that, but um. Okay. Uh, oh, you know, we've never done this before. What about like if you could speak a, a language, like three languages, a language that you would be fluent in? Uh, I would have loved, uh, I did take French, so I wish I could speak French fluently. Um, I definitely, I also wanted to speak Arabic. I'm half Lebanese and I, of course, the French thing is they speak that in Lebanon too. So if I could speak French mm-hmm. and Arabic. Oh, where this is going. I could, which, which parent is Lebanese? My father. I'm sorry we didn't get to that, everyone. Oh, um, it's not that interesting. French, Arabic. French, Arabic, and um, Spanish. Great. Because everyone should speak Spanish. Great. Love it. Uh, three cars. A car that you would want to drive. Okay. I, do- I know like back then I would have wanted a car Magia. Oh my God, love it. I mean, right? Pretty in pink. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I said that a lot. I feel like I said... Um, Carmagia was like... That was everything. Probably like a... What's another one that's like that? My dad used to have one. It was on a Carmagia. It was like a... a not an Aston Martin. Something else. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, I think an Alfa Romeo probably. Yeah. yeah a- that would have been one Great. for me. Let's Alfa Romeo. And then um, probably like a rabbit convertible because there was like this beautiful girl in town that had one and she always looked great in it. It was white. Um number of kids oh well that has changed over the years um i would have said maybe back in the day two <laughs> but now i'm sort of a zero <laughs> sadly you have to pick one more i just put two zero then i had had to say one great because never more than two <laughs> me too i was always like zero zero <laughs> zero one, one or two yeah. <laughs> yeah um let's see what's another fun thing i can come up with that i haven't done before <laughs> well let's do like a job that you would have mm. 
Okay. Well, I definitely, definitely actress, which luckily I've pursued in my life, but Love that it. was something I wanted to do then as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was sort of interested in politics. Uh, I still am. Um, so I would, a lobbyist would have been another one I for like some great like cause. This. Okay. Or a union organizer. These are just things I wanted to do and still have this interest. Is- very cool. Uh, how about a, a talent, like a like a musical or artistic talent that you would have wanted that maybe you didn't necessarily Singing. have? Singing. That is like my, uh, I still pine for okay. that. I even had a dream last night where Aww. I sang in front of people and it was not good and uh, I just oh. like, it hurt my heart. Oh, I, and I then thought I, you were going to say you had a great dream where you were singing in front of a crowd. I'm well, sorry I think I, w- I think what it made me realize is I should just take lessons, but I still like, you had to have a little bit of like you never know tone or something. I don't know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. It is a muscle. Uh, definitely singing, uh, p- playing the piano. I Great. love piano music. And um, another talent. Let's see. What would that be? Being able to zing people immediately. Zingers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I'm hoping I can orchestrate this so that you get zingers. I never have. I, I'm always the kind of person that's like, I should have said, said that in the moment. It. Or zingers. I sh- that might be the best mash answer in the history of this game. And maybe I could sing them too. Oh god, singing zingers. <laughs> she's a, she's a great zinger. Um, okay, uh, let, this here's one I've never done. Uh, a time, a time, like a like a decade, like a decade, like you go back in time and you live in the twenties, or you go back in time and you live in. Okay, I loved. I like the forties a lot, even though there's World War Two. But I love that whole like the drama. We'll just take the. It's the best of whatever. Era. Okay, it's the best of whatever era. <laughs> the drama it's the best of the forties. Um, you know, the sixties are intriguing to me uh, because of psychedelics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great, <laughs> me too. Been sort of like intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks, I'm so like 20th century. I, I'm not like, I don't have like a, I don't want to, I don't want to go back into to hardships. I, I like conveniences. <laughs> Janie thought not into hardships. <laughs> I guess I'd have to say the fifties because there's, that's Great. when conveniences really I love like this. appliances and stuff. Okay. So, uh, tell me when to stop. Okay. I secretly did. I was doing them before I told her to tell me to stop. So oh, okay. I have 11. I'm pausing it, guys. When I come back, we're going to we'll reveal the, the future. Yes. Okay, guys. Uh, we've got our answers. First of all, I want to know that I really feel your pain on this because when I would end up living in a shack, uh-huh. I was you like, felt my, bad. I felt so sad. That's like, what I got. It was a real letdown. I'm you okay are living with- in a shack, but this is the thing. <sighs> this is the thing. I- your shack is in Paris, France. Oh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. I can so deal. you're living in a shack in Paris. Uh, <laughs> you speak Arabic. Oh, fantastic. That's useful. It's the 1960s. This is starting to come together. Actually, it's, it's very 1960s bohemian. 1960s Paris. It's a bohemian shack. I love so it's it. It's fabulous. Uh, you speak Arabic. You c- you're a singer. You can sing. <gasps> I'm so Beautiful happy. Beautiful singing voice. I'm happy. You have a rabbit convertible. Oh, perfect. In the 60s. I guess it's like a Volkswagen convertible. Yeah, yeah it's like Volkswagen. a bug. You have yeah. a convertible bug driving around Paris, speaking Arabic to everyone you meet, uh, going back to your hip bohemian shack. Whip. You're an organizer, a union organizer, which is so Parisian. I love it. It's so Parisian. It is you don't have any kids. Perfect. And you're married to Ralph Macchio. No, that's the one I, that's the, oh no. No, if only it had been Roger Taylor would have been Roger the best Taylor match is the for that. One that fits for that life, but unfortunately, 
unfortunately you got stuck with the karate kid oh my god listen Janie, you, know you are the one who put him on that list i'm in paris and i speak arabic i think i'm gonna i, I think i might rise story. above i love the story of 1960s 60- union organizer with no of course you don't have time for kids you're a union organizer i know i've got and i'm singing at night oh my god this is <laughs> a great the world. paris clubs at night yes the shack is totally manageable and then oh my god city it's of paris. so cool it's yeah. like a super cool a little shack in new york city would have been it's bad. like a hip it's like a hipster shack it's like a, it's probably oh, totally. you know what it's probably like an atelier it's like oh, oh yeah. we live in like the it used to be like a writer's the, garret the, the, yeah exactly it's yeah. a garret it's a garret it's like it's like uh, the 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 guy the the guy who used to tend Victor to the garden Hugo outside on the roof. There once and or something. Yes, yeah. I'm I'm down. And it leaks when it rains, but like you just put a bucket under. You guys, I just will have to learn to love Ralph Macchio because he's he got just, a heart of gold. He just didn't he didn't stay sexy throughout his adult. We're talking. And we about, could also argue maybe he wasn't sexy as a young. He was he, he was, was adorable. Uh, he was like yes, he like you would have taken him to a dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, this is Take okay. Take dance. He, I'll, I'll guarantee you he supports you in all of your causes. Uh, okay. Well, that um, was fun, though. That was really cool. I'm so glad that worked out. And then we'll do one last thing. Oh, fun. Uh, which is we'll do a cootie catcher question because Victoria That's made this those? amazing. I didn't know that either. That's it not is something we, we that comes them. up. I, I don't think we even had a name. We might not have had a name either, but... Also, that's like a fancy one. I know Victoria. When uh, Victoria uh, printed this out for me, so it's like a special JV club. Okay, one. red. Um, R E D. Now you pick a number in there. Uh, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and another number. Two. Okay. Two is what are three differences, for better or for worse, from your teenage self? Please note the JV Club logo that she printed on the oh inside my of gosh. the catcher. I know it's what like are the three best differences, for better or worse, from your teenage self to me now? Mm-hmm. Like now, um, I I think one of the main differences that we discussed earlier is that that uh, tempered um, emotional experience, yes. being able to experience the highs and lows of a daily life without it being completely off the seismic charts. Huge. So, so that's, that's one because I'm a woman now and yes. I don't go on that roller coaster ride, which is nice. Um, agreed. Another difference, uh, uh, would be, um, Oh, there's, I, you know what? There, I, as I was like mining through my old stuff, like not that many differences in a weird way. Like I'm still the same person. Um, but, uh, I like that. Oh, confidence. That's a huge difference. I was constantly doubting myself Me too. because you're just coming up in the world and you feel beat up by it and you don't feel like you have a voice yet. Um, so I think I'm still working on that daily, like confidence thing. Me too. Um, so luckily that gets better when you get older. And then, um, I'm married. That's not. I was not married. <laughs> not married back then. That's just a fact. Thank God. That's a cold hard fact. Don't get yeah. married young. If you're listening to this, I say don't get married young. Live an You've, awesome I agree. life. Like because when you out. when you made your decision, you knew like I've I I I have been lived, there. I know what's out yes, there. And I felt I, this person is the one. Like convinced, like because I knew who I was, and I was marrying someone who knew who he was, and so um, I I just like my my mantra like i mean my parent also i come from a divorced as i said divorced household and my mom and dad married when they were young and now they're both happily married to other people um and they you know they got married a little older the second time around and i think that's a good lesson 
I agree. God, this was so much fun, Janie. What a I joy. Saw, I, I know. What a you know I love pleasure. seeing you. I miss oh your face. I haven't seen you in a while. I know. <laughs> it's been crazy. This is like the only time I get to socialize with people is doing the podcast because at least I, I know I have to get an episode out every week. Right. So then it becomes like, I've got to make this happen so I right. get to see my dearest, my nearest and dearest. Well, thank you um, so much for having me. This was such thanks a joy. everyone for such listening. Such a joy. Tell everyone uh, uh, anything you want, including your podcast, anything oh, yeah. you want people to check out. I have a podcast called Janie and Aaron Does Hollywood. Um, we're on iTunes and Stitcher, and it's me and my best friend, Aaron Ginsberg, who's a television writer, and we talk about daily life and kind of, it's a, like a conversation. He's so fantastic. He's really fun. Um, it's a real positive listen. It's only He's one minutes. of the creative forces behind the Thrilling Adventure Hour for any of you who are familiar yes, with that. Yes, that is true. He works on Thrilling Adventure and he also is working on a new NBC show called Do No Harm, which comes out in 2013. Um, I am on Regular Show, which is a Cartoon Network show. We won an Emmy this year. Yay! Um, so if you like cartoons, um, it's on Monday nights. Um, it's a great show. I play it, the character of Margaret. And um, that's the only thing I have to plug off the top that's of my fantastic. head. Watch Regular Show, listen to my podcasts. Oh, and uh, if you Google me, you can find some funny web shorts I might be coming out with soon. Love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> we love our Janie. And uh, guys, we love you. So thank you so much for listening. We are going to talk to you next week on the podcast. And by we, I mean probably not Janie. That would be weird if all of a sudden <laughs> if she I'm was the on permanent every podcast. Guest, no. but, uh, but How many is, times can I talk yeah. about my adolescence? Uh, turns out <laughs> I can talk about him now like 40. So it just keeps going. Uh, guys, you're the best. Talk to you soon. Bye. As always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.